0: you're listening to our tunes music appreciation and digital media discourse welcome to our tunes i'm lewis hey lewis i'm brad what's up brad happy almost new year it's coming up right around the corner right around the bend and you know what that means reflecting on the year in review
1: yeah Making lists of stuff, arbitrary yeah. lists.
0: Yeah, We're in like a very list heavy age of humanity. The rise of databases and all the tracking.
1: We're so horny for data. It's crazy.
0: Top 10 everything.
1: We've achieved so much. Why not list it all? By we, I mean society. I have not achieved a whole lot.
0: And now that companies are tracking everything that we do when we click buttons Mm -hmm. on the internet, you get personalized lists.
1: Did you get some such list delivered by famous controversial streaming platform, Spotify? I did. I did. Did you feel like that list was reflective of the music you enjoyed this year?
0: I'm pretty sure my deep dive into Broken Social Scene that went into our last episode really skewed
1: my... Uh, uh... That's not bad. No, it's it's
0: not. (laughs) I listened to all of their stuff multiple times in that two or three week
1: period. I listened to this Joyce Manor album, 40 Ounces to Fresno, which is a sublime reference. But this album is 10 tracks in 16 minutes is the most like succinct punk record and it's so catchy. If manic, but you never I can just listen to it and then go back and listen to it again. Like, I listen to other stuff, but Uh. all of my top five songs were from that album. There's just no good way to array that data that we figured out. Maybe we'll get there. Gathering aside, what do you feel are some releases that really spoke to you this year?
0: A couple of really big tracks that I know were like main go-tos and a couple of albums that were always on repeat. So I'll start with my uh, first three songs. The First one I'll say is Another World by Joe Jackson. I will say that this song only came to my attention because of Spotify's Discover Weekly. I don't know why they thought I'd like it, but it got me. Because of it, that's why I started listening to my Discover Weekly playlist, because I was like, oh, they figured something out. Like they're always going to give me something. It no, doesn't always work
1: that way. Uh, but a disappointment.
0: Joe Jackson, Another World, check it out. It's very, it's like a weird, unique song. It's very happy. It kind of makes you want to dance. The next song is We Float by P.J. Harvey. We wanted to find love We wanted success Until nothing was enough This is from 2000. Eerie kind of sound, kind of dark and brooding. You have but my like, attention. PJ Harvey has like a really sweet voice in like the chorus. I've tried to listen to other songs off that album, and nothing really gets me as much as that particular song. Cool. I'm gonna listen to that one on repeat. Last, Your Sweet Love by Lee Hazelwood. arms reach out to me cuz they know I'm so lonely then my mind This one got me because I watched the television series Station 11 this year it was used as part of the soundtrack in the show, very emotional. Might bring one to tears.
1: <laughs> yeah. When a, a well-timed song cannot be discounted.
0: What's on your uh, oh, list yeah. of the years?
1: Some songs that really hit me this year, struck me the most. Intense or heartfelt or beautiful or just like rocked the most. One of them is honestly like this super catchy Gen Z grunge band, Mama put out this song called Speeding
0: 72 hey, I heard it It's got
1: great riffs it's got like kind of conversational vocals between the two like lead women who play guitar in the band gets you going it's great music to drive around to it's literally about driving which helps undeniable rock song there's also me on more of my indie rock bullshit enjoying death cab for cutie putting out a new album this year and even though the whole album wasn't like their greatest work there's a few songs on it that are very artful in a way that i don't think they've come across uh, in several albums at least the one song is called fox gloves through the clear cut
0: there was a man who used to live by the ocean never set foot in the sea It made him nervous that the water was always in motion and he feared the creatures who swam
1: beneath A very long kind of spoken word track all these shimmery guitars i really loved it It just like enchanted me last one is a shout out to philly band soul glow who put out an absolutely punishing album of hardcore mayhem this year the song is called gold shade and punk parentheses who gonna beat my ass This song just, like, takes off and does not quit. Like, it is so good. It just totally slams you. It's intense. It's anti-capitalist, anti-racist. Like, a shock to the system. Really, really good. So those are, like, my top three songs that just moved me in very, very different ways. Let's hear uh, what albums moved you this year, Brad.
0: I got two albums. I don't know that I talked about too much, but one was the 2001 album by the American Analog Set called Know By Heart. Yeah, yeah, and this is in the genre of music that I was really into, like about ten years ago. Sort of like Tortoise, kind of that like post rock,
1: slowcore.
0: Yeah, late yeah. '90s, early 2000s. Like, definitely like big on instrumental arrangements, some pop sensibilities. The other one was an album from this year called Marshmallow by the band The Sweet Enoughs. chill album i would say some of my most enjoyable music listening is like in the morning while i'm doing early work morning stuff and yeah. like this was a, a good album to put on and it's called marshmallow come on
1: <laughs> i mean i would be remiss if i didn't give spotify credit for clocking me on this joyce manor album i love it so much so many very catchy succinct pop punk tracks amazing guitar solos lots of like high tempo songs that are really fun There's a Philly artist that I also want to bring to the table on this one, uh, Shannon Moser, local singer-songwriter. She put out a pretty stripped-down album before this, but her new album came out this year. is called The Sun Still Seems to Move. Reading a book about a side of trees that grow parallel forever very like kind of lush like chamber pop like there's kind of full band arrangements it's really beautiful stuff you know her singing is amazing she did a recent session with xpn that i recommend checking out there's videos online a great artist there's this angel olsen record that came out this year big time like a breakup album and the songs are just so powerful she can kind of shift into so many different formats as a musician and just pure artistry like her voice is so great so undeniable great record and that brings me to my last honorable mention i guess which is the always album blue rev I out college education Solid, tight, pop shoegaze album. The last two Always albums are just amazing pop. And this was them kind of bumping that up a level even, which I didn't think was possible. It's a great album.
0: I have not listened to any of these. I'm very excited to uh, dive in and give a listen.
1: I don't know if the Joyce Manor one would be your style.
0: I don't know. At this point, man, I think some of the beauty of this is that your list isn't anything I would probably gravitate to to listen Mm to. But if given the reason or impetus to actually sit down and listen to it, it's like a, a trust in in this year of doing this show with you. Like I'm like, yeah. If,
1: You'd follow my lead. Yeah, yeah, totally. I feel the same way,
0: Brad. You know, one other thing, just reflecting on this, is it made me think about how I listen to music. Time spent active listening over this year, it's mainly been in regards to music that we were going to talk about on the show, or that
1: music that was talked about. Very cool. I've also been privileged to be on this journey with you through many different new albums and artists in the past year. Yeah, we've been doing this for a year now, which is nuts. This is homework. So Brad, I assigned you Elliot Smith's album, Either Or, which came out in 1997. I am just so thrilled to talk about this album with you (laughs) and hear what you
0: think. Yeah, yeah. So I'll start off by saying my previous experience with Elliot Smith, which is that I don't know that I had ever listened to his music at all, Mm. but I knew of him and I think I had some very preconceived notions that I definitely now have to just completely throw out the door on the other side. I feel like there's some things related to him, his untimely death there's a lot his, of there's a lot of lore his other yeah, the lore, his other work, but specific to this album, first off. My preconceived notion about Elliot Smith and what I thought I'd be getting to in this album was that it was going to be so sad and sappy. That. Oh, interesting. Like I got to be like saccharin yeah, almost. Oh, yeah. interesting. I like and I I don't know why. I don't know where yeah. it came from. I don't know I have no idea where where it came from. I don't know who's telling me these things. <laughs> I don't, it's not like I was no. like reading like blogs yeah, where I'm yeah. just like Elliot Smith oh, I always knew this. I'll never listen to this. Uh, <laughs> like I don't I don't know. So, let me just say that either or Elliot Smith is the sole writer and he's the sole musician on the whole album. 12 tracks on the album. The main sort of musicality instrumentation that is part of this album is really his vocals along with his acoustic guitar. A good amount of the songs incorporate him also layering in some electric guitar. Some drums, very limited bass, and some organ. It's kind of amazing to listen to because it's one guy kind of doing this whole thing. One of the other preconceived notions I have was like, this is a singer songwriter guy with a, an acoustic guitar.
1: <laughs> an insufferable image appears in your head. <laughs> yeah, yeah. And
0: really, you know, as you listen to this, Everything from the vocals to the arrangement of the instruments are all very particular and like seemingly thought out. So I'll start with the vocals. He's got a very pleasant voice to listen to. He's almost like whispering in your ears. It's
1: very like close to them. Yeah. But also like very tuneful. He's definitely got good
0: melody. He seems to do a lot of like vocal doubling. It's like a real full whisper. Yeah. (laughs) It all sounds very crisp and clear. It's like not really like a lo-fi kind of album. Very rich sounding. When he brings in the drums, the bass, the organ, he does it in ways that really enhance the songs. It's like if you have a full band, and everyone's like an equal member of the band, you can't be like you can't come in until the last verse. Just but like when, sit out. Yeah. But when you're the you know, when you're the sole musician on the album, it's like, mm-hmm. okay, the bass only comes in for like the last part of the track. Yeah. Definitely most of the songs hit melancholy, somber notes. I'm not great at interpreting lyrics, but I would say that what I was gathering from them, there's definitely lots of anxieties around maybe past events, relationships. Mm -hmm. Um, There was maybe some reference to sort of calling out pretentiousness. I think I was thinking of the song Alameda. Like it was kind of an anti pretentiousness song. I really like the song Rose Parade. It asked me to come down and watch the parade. To march down the street like a somebody. The weekend away from. really paints a really great picture of this person being taken to like New Year's Day parade in LA, the Rose Bowl parade, yeah. and him being like, I hate this. Yeah, <laughs> I really, really hate this place. This place sucks. It's also like such a pretty song. Yeah. There were a couple of times on this album when I was like, oh, this totally sounds like 90s. That one sounds like a 90s alt pop sound. I want to say Cupid's Trick also sounded kind of 90s. It was a more of a rocking song.
1: It's my life, it's my life,
0: it's my life, Otherwise, listening to this album, it sounds very contemporary. Like, yeah, I it's think. Beautiful pop. I gotta say, I was very surprised that it doesn't sound dated. I'll give you some. Other songs that I really liked. In addition to Rose Parade, I really liked No Name Number no. Five.
1: Got them feeling
0: and a head full of a everybody Everybody's calling it loud. Acoustic guitar, double vocaling, the drums come in for the last verse and outro, kind of yes, yep. <laughs> like
1: that. Scary,
0: yeah. And the one song that I really liked was Between the Bars.
1: Me. Drink up with me now, and forget
0: all about the pressure of days. Do what I say, and I'll make you okay, and drive them away it seems like this between the bars was kind of the one that was most well received and has been since been covered by a bunch of bands which including madonna wow
1: i just found that out (laughs) madonna did a cover of this song in like a really weird like she had launched some new like musical project that was supposed to be like kind of secret or like underground that might have even been the name of it weird as heck
0: stuck in your head he-
1: His kind of timeless approach to writing and recording makes it such that this music that was made in the nineties doesn't sound like Sugar Ray or like, you know, just like trash a because it's not throwaway pop music. It's like very intricate Beatles influence, like all this structural integrity to it. It like lasts and sustains because genius in it shines through, even if it's like not your thing. This is just like any piece of art, not everyone's bag exactly, but the artistry in it is undeniable. Um, did you ever see Goodwill Hunting?
0: I did see that a few of these tracks were on the Goodwill Hunting soundtrack, mm-hmm. which I think is cool. <laughs> <laughs> I kind of want to watch the movie just to see where they came in in the movie. I actually haven't seen that movie in years.
1: It's definitely been a while for
0: me too. But back to Between the Bars, like I, I'm interested in what makes that song so desirable to do as a cover. As I was listening to it. And reading the lyrics, I was like, oh, this is a song about alcoholism.
1: (laughs) Yeah, I think you hit the nail on the head, for sure.
0: But then I was reading, it was a Pitchfork review of the, like, deluxe version that came out, I think, and it said that the song also was, like, speaking to control that people can have over others.
1: Drink up with me now.
0: I do like vocals. And I like his use of vocals in cer- in a very musical sense. I feel like it's dangerous territory trying to like interpret interpret things. Could you shed some light on his yeah. his lyricism? Sure. Yeah, definitely could.
1: This is Elliot's third studio album. I guess this could be considered a breakout album for him because again, he was discovered by a filmmaker. They used his music in Goodwill Hunting. He was then commissioned to write a song for that movie which he was nominated for an Oscar for and performed on live television, which, like, if you can imagine this guy not being happy at the Rose Parade, how (laughs) fucking unhappy was he performing, like, before Celine Dion on the fucking Oscars? All right, here we are. Right there, actually, West 44th, MTV Live. Uh, My next guest is actually up for an Oscar for his work for uh, Miss Misery, the song The Good Will Hunting Soundtrack. That is Elliot Smith.
0: You feeling all right? Thank you for being here. Yeah, I'm feeling you good, thanks. What is this tattoo actually? Is the first thing I want to ask. It's
1: you. a children's story. It's called Ferdinand. It's like a bull who doesn't want to go to the bullfight, but he does. That's awesome.
0: Um, I should mention He
1: was like a social outcast for sure. Like he was a quiet dude from Portland. <laughs> Dance emo monkey. <laughs> yeah, they were like <laughs> the thing of him ending up on that, it's so out of place for him. But at the same time, that shows that, okay, people admired his work to that degree that they were like so struck by this music. Funny enough, I was revisiting my iTunes library and looking at what I have in there under this album. I have the track list wrong. I'm missing a track that was on this album, which means I never really listened to it until probably when stuff became streamable in mass. Mm-hmm. And that song is The Ballad of Big Nothing, which is now one of my favorite songs on the album. <laughs> I fell in love with all these songs like Angelus is one of the first songs I tried to hack play on guitar when I tried to learn to fingerpick Someone's always coming around here trailing someone new kill Says I've seen a picture on a hundred dollar bill What's a
0: game a chance to hear so
1: like quick it's so nimble yeah. like the chord changes are cool I just became obsessed with kind of his his approach to playing the guitar especially but as like a person he was very troubled I think he suffered some like childhood abuse and a lot of his songs have like veiled references to that including one song on this album 2.45am where he calls out an abuser who was I think his, his stepdad
0: looking for the man that attacked me everybody was laughing at me you beat it in me that part of you
1: i think he probably spent a lot of his life tormented by that and used music as an outlet to great effect like he created so many beautiful songs it's especially sad just to see kind of him burn out and whether or not he took his own life or was killed question mark by his like girlfriend who was some kind of controlling new age therapist there's a lot of weird shit there you can dive down a a wikipedia rabbit hole on he was pretty miserable either way and he had bad relationships with alcohol and drugs and all this stuff meanwhile somehow finding the time to release a number of just really amazing albums that were him like pouring out all that (laughs)
0: I tend to think of musicians like that as maybe a little more impulsive in their music.
1: Do you mean like following
0: an impulse? Yeah, also like in the music itself like it's not as thought through and like well mm. conceived, like yeah. it's how do you complete a project when when you might be in the depths of such hard times, hardships to like be able to Follow through not only with like a single song, but a whole project that feels so well conceived from beginning to end.
1: Yeah, that's very relatable. It's it's so daunting, right? When I listen to this stuff, right, and I'm like, well, I have microphones and I have an acoustic guitar. I can't make this happen, right? Like, there's so much technique that very deliberate process that he must have had. Like I've read things about how his obsessive nature with recording, that must be just where all of his energy went. He probably didn't give a shit about anything but making music.
0: There are so many subtle things. Like when I say drums are on every track, a lot of the times drums sound like they're being played with brushes. Yeah. Sometimes it sounds like maybe like like a mallet on a cymbal. Sometimes I'm like, I think I hear an organ in the background. It's just droning on one note. It all seems so particular. It's not what I was expecting. If I could ask you, sure. um, teacher, <laughs> <laughs> yes, pupil, <people. laughs> how would you couch this album in the sort of discography of Elliot Smith? Like, if, if I like, is this like the one album you knew I would like, or is this oh. one album I, you knew I needed to listen to?
1: I would say I see a lot of the sensibilities that I think you would like or that you would find familiar, yet you'd be able to kind of suss out what's different about them. I found a lot of those things on this album. So like one song on this album, Pictures of Me... sounds kind of like if the Beatles were like vindictive or Mm -hmm. or hateful.
0: I caught it. My notes say sad poppy. Yeah.
1: (laughs) I mean, accurate. He's literally like ranting at somebody and feeling this resentment that's like coming through really strongly. Meanwhile, there's like this really cool instrumentation happening. It's got kind of like these Beatles style. Yeah beat pronunciations. I knew that you would catch on to that kind of stuff. It's got a lot of really accessible songs. It's got a lot of songs that were very important to him launching a bigger career. I thought it would be a really good introductory album for a number of reasons. If you were to go somewhere else from here, I would go backwards to his self-titled album that was released right before this one, because that's got some of his best work and it's very, very stripped down. It's all... I won't say it's one note because the songs do vary widely, but it's got a lot of, like, really interesting melodic stuff going on. And if you can feel yourself carried away by some of the songs on this album, the ones you picked in particular, I think you would go for those, the tracks on that self-titled. Would
0: you call this a pop album?
1: I would. Yeah, I would say, like, his approach is definitely super pop structured.
0: I agree. And I you, know, you mentioned the Beatles. I do think that, especially with the song Pictures of Me, like you mentioned, but a couple others have... More complex chord structures, kind of like the Beatles did. The vocal harmonies in some songs. It's just that it's really dark. You're helping me break my own preconceived notions of what sad music... So, I, sad core emo i love so much
1: sad music brad i love i will give you every sad album ever so, if you want
0: uh, but no i want to mix it up
1: i want to keep it i want to keep shifting around
0: so what is the genre of this okay it is pop where does this fit in pop music
1: well like, this was released on kill rock stars which is okay. an indie label from pacific northwest okay. before indie became a completely washed out term this is an indie album Indie folk. Mm -hmm. I would say probably indie folk over indie rock. Okay. Because the rock element here is very understated. Folk pop, perhaps. I remember acquiring some of these songs again in the early 2000s, as one did, seeing like weird tags on this music that said like emo. I was like, I don't really know anything because I'm like a teenager, but I don't think this is what emo
0: is. See, that's what I thought it was going to be. No. And it's not not that. that. It isn't that. that. No.
1: I'm still kind of dredging up what the real-ass emo album is that I'm going to give you for homework one day. (laughs) Uh, Just be patient. It's going to be so.
0: But like indie folk with a sad, sad melancholy bent. Yeah. That's a good one. Thank you again for turning me on to this album. I'm going to be listening to it more in the future. Thanks for giving
1: me an opportunity to gush about it.
0: Yeah. All good? Yeah, well, <laughs> I, I mean... Did I pass? Yeah, I, mean, I would,
1: A frickin' plus, Brad. Great right. job. I would assume now I should get out my ledger and uh, prepare for my homework assignment.
0: Yes. For your homework for the next episode, I would be delighted to hear your thoughts on the album Akabu Sharare by Novos Bayanos. This is a Brazilian album from uh, the early 1970s. Sounds if awesome. If I pronounced it wrong, forgive me, world. Uh, this is my best uh, attempt. Can't wait to talk about oh. Brazilian music from that time period. Uh,
1: I am thrilled at this prospect. It sounds great. Should I bring my whistle to these whistles? Yeah, I think they do. Hell yeah. Quica? Quica, Quica? Sorry. <laughs> <laughs> You're listening to RTunes Podcast, hosted by Brad Lanute and Lewis Weil, produced by Rob Hughes. You can follow us on Spotify at RTunes Podcast or on Twitter at RTunes Pod. Our logo is designed by Seth Rogers. Shoot us a recommendation. We're online,
0: and you are too. Say what's up. I've been holding this one in my pocket for a while. I was waiting for the right time to slide it in. Uh, It is... (laughs) Can we cut that? That just sounded very, like, sexual. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Reapproach.
1: Reapproach. All
0: right. Uh, I've been waiting to expose myself to you in the right way.
1: What do you got, Brad? Show me. All right.